This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. The opinions you're about to hear belong to the people expressing them and are not necessarily shared by Cortez Currents, Cortez Radio, its board, staff, volunteers, or listeners. There was more to Sacred Dreamscapes, which came to the Old Schoolhouse Gallery in July, than artwork. Both of the artists, Kira McDuffie and Maggie Leverne, are psychotherapists who've described their work as depictions of their inner worlds. I was off-island at the time, but requested an interview. McDuffie agreed to describe her pilgrimage when I returned. It started when I was very little. So my earliest memories, I was traveling on the astral plane, and it was a big mystery of my life to try and understand what that was about. And when I was little, it wasn't particularly positive. It was actually really scary for me and uh, quite terrifying a lot of the time. I was afraid to go to sleep a lot because of the different things that would be happening for me. When I was about 18, I sought out a Jungian therapist. He was doing this special dream workshop that I signed up to do, but then there wasn't enough people. So instead we started doing individual work. I didn't really set that up. It just happened. Before I knew it, I was deep in psychotherapy. It was the dreams that got me into it. At 14, I was reading about astral projection and all this stuff because I was experiencing and seeing things that were happening in real time while I was out of my body in my sleep. I knew that one else didn't seem to be experiencing that. So I was trying to understand that. And working with this therapist, I understood more about the dissociative components. Anyway, on it went. I was a dreamer and I was a big dreamer and I've always been a big dreamer. Over time, I got support for protection in my dream time. I did a lot of self-inquiry and spiritual retreats and things, and I would often have a stronger attacks when I was on these retreats. I don't know why that was exactly, but it was an interesting thing that happened. And then I called for some help, and one of my teachers gave me a picture of Amma G, the guru, the hugging saint, to put under my pillow so if I got attacked, I could call on her. And I did. The attacks ended after McDuffie met Emma Jean. When I was about in my late 20s, early 30s, she came and blew all of the energies that were attacking away and my fear and everything was gone. Then I was just free and I was traveling through the stars and the galaxies and all the places and I had no fear. Since then, I'd never had an attack. <laughs> so it was a really significant shift for that particular experience tell you a little story, quick story, standing outside of my body, because it was a thing I could do, I could leave my body and go travel. I thought that was the thing I should do. And <laughs> I was standing in my bedroom, looking out the window out of my body. And I said to my guys, take me where I most need to go. And I was catapulted back into my body. <laughs> so I woke up laughing. I'm like, okay. So then it's been a real journey. I'm now 52. I've been in in this sort of journey of trying to embody rather than trying to leave my body. But I've always been a dreamer. And as I become more and more grounded, I can journey more in different ways. I can integrate things that I've learned. I've been healing. And it turns out that the, the astral projection at age five, et cetera, was related to some really deep childhood trauma that I had repressed a lot. I always knew it. It seemed right that I did that because I knew all the signs because I'm a therapist, but I didn't know what it was that I had repressed. So those memories started to come up and I started healing all of that. 
that's what it's about. It's been this healing and exploration of various dimensions. And I've had some profound experiences of truth and direct experiences of God, life, divinity, myself, whatever you want to call it, in the process of my inquiry, because I dream lucid most of the time. I'm usually aware that I'm dreaming. So I'm working with guides and teachers and just experiencing different things in my dream time that I can then bring back into my waking time. When you talk about attacks, are you talking about being frozen? Sometimes, yeah, that would be the experience paralysis. That was how it started. I would have like sleep paralysis and I'd be very conscious. I knew I was where I was, but I see it as in the astral body versus the physical body. But yes, it would, would be paralysis. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I would be getting pushed down from the top. But sometimes I met energies on the astral plane, all kinds of things. But yes, the paralysis was a big one. And some people might even go with that in different directions. It's a big world with a lot of unknown. And it's been my life's mystery trying to solve a lot of this stuff. So I've realized that a lot of these things, whether we call it astral attacks, sometimes people experience astral attacks and they call them other things like ET abductions, etc. From what I've learned, it's all in the same realm. It's just dimensional things that are outside of this dimension, usually in the lower fourth dimension. So that is a whole world that I remain to be a student of. What about other uh, kinds of attacks? Like demonic? Yeah. Yeah, I have very clear memories and experiences of energies that were very dark, reptilian kind of things, and very bad smell, like really intense visceral experience of dark energies, yeah. I want to flip to the other side. When you talked about I'm going to call it deliverance. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? There's so many different levels of experience that I could talk about, but the biggest truth download I've ever had was when I was doing a retreat with Ramana Maharshi's the retreat was an inquiry and self working on the question, who am I? And I had been doing that for 16 hours a day for several days and had not broken through until two days after the retreat, I was in my dream and I inquired into who is the dreamer. I was aware that I was dreaming and I was inquiring, who is the dreamer? I did paint this about 20 years, 25, 30 years ago. For me, what the visual experience, it was everything. It was visual, it was audio. It was everything, visceral. It was absolute pure union with all things, but it was very cosmic for me. So so I was in the kind of cosmic space of the galaxy and my arms just extended forever and my legs extended forever. Everything was coming into one circle and coming back into me again. It was a beautiful, almost angelic kind of chorus of energy. There was love and there was bliss and there was pure and complete knowing of all things. I had no questions. I had all of the truth of all that was in this moment. And I knew at that time that I was dreaming. I knew that I was in this space, in this state of consciousness that I could not experience in my body at the time. I knew that when I went back into my body, I wouldn't be able to bring it with me. I had all of it. 
I had to choose what am I going to take back because my mind will never let me know that. <laughs> I also knew that it was my life's work to know this in my body. I was like, I have to bring this knowledge into my body. But the biggest thing for me at the time was my fear of death and the death and loss of the people that I loved in my life, my family. And that was just so clear that there was no death that I did not know that at the time. I didn't know that there was no death. I didn't know that the nature of my own infinite self. It was my first real direct experience of union with anything, truth. And it was the biggest of all. But death was the big piece I had. I didn't know before that death wasn't real. And I thought, that okay, that's what I'll bring back. So I came back from that experience and woke up. And I was really transformed from that experience. I was very different for a good few weeks or a month in this kind of real state of seeing transparency and seeing through. And then, and then the work started. So that was the beginning of the year's journey. And then I went into a lot of more challenging pieces that I'm still digging through. But that was one of the most beautiful ones very recently, this last couple months ago. This one was related to my dream giant, to the art show. I had this dream where I was uh, trying to get home. It was a, a kind of an apocalyptic dream. There was the end times. Everything was ending. And I was trying to get back to Cortez and there was no ferries. There was no boats. There was no way I could get there. I was feeling quite hopeless and desperate. I saw this goddess coming and she was changing form from a horse to a woman to a dog. And she kept changing form and she was coming across the water. She came in, she came as a goddess and she said, I'm come to take you home. She was going to ferry me across back home. I felt so humbled because I had nothing. It was like this realization of I'd done nothing. I could give her nothing. I didn't feel like I had earned it. And, and I said to her, I know you because I painted you. <laughs> she said, yes. I don't even remember what she said. She was more of an energetic transmission of love and pure feminine divinity. And she just, and she took me back. She took me home. That was, that to me was like the crossing of the threshold of the hero's journey. I work a lot with the hero's journey. So I recognize that dream as a very significant dream for me in my own work with my level of like giving up my own personal will and pride to the point where I can be, all I felt was this sense of devotion and love. It's like I haven't been devoted enough. I haven't given enough. I was just so aware of my own pride and how my pride had been in such a hindrance to my connection with this truth. Yeah, so that was a really beautiful dream I just had recently that I included in my show. In a way, it's in there, yeah. You said you discovered this goddess through dreams. I discovered her, yes, specifically, yes. I also want to go to your artwork. Yeah. Do you find that some of your discoveries are coming through your art? That's right. I've been painting dreams since forever. But this art show I just put together recently, those pieces have all been done in the last year. I'm just beginning a kind of new level of connecting and integrating I guess I have more skill and technique now than I did before. I'm using that in a new way with this process. And sometimes 
I know what it is that I'm wanting to honor some particular dream or some particular experience like I had with this horse that I painted in this dream, in this last show. Sometimes I'm painting and it comes through and I don't know what it's coming. Because painting and dreaming, and it's really the same. It can be a very surrendered process. And then the paintings tend to tell us always what is coming in the future. They're dimensionally shifted from our current. That's what I've learned by doing this, that they tell me what's coming. Do you notice, looking at the painting, or do you recognize it after it's happened? Yes. Sometimes I go back to my dreams my dream journals that I've written and I see what came from what the dreams were before. And I can do the same with painting. I'm like, oh yeah. Some of the things like art therapy kind of processes that I'll do in an hour, if I'm just processing something and it just comes through, it's not particularly polished. I can see how that was the beginning of some other thing or that that was what I was trying to process. And then it manifests in the painting. It comes through later. Yeah, for sure. How do you know that these things are real? as opposed to, I'm going to call it just a dream. Would that be more backsight or foresight? It's a great question, the what is real, because first of all, I think that this realm is a dream. So let's just start with that. This is a very dense dream. And what I find in the dream time is that there's different levels of density, different dimensions and different vibrations and frequencies. And sometimes the dreams are less, sometimes they're just heavier, less important. They don't have that same high, fre high frequency. I think dreams are always valuable on some level, but sometimes it's just stuff that's going out. Like my teacher says, you don't have to look at your garbage before you take it out to the curb. Other times there's real contact and real teaching and whether it's with the shadow of integration into difficult stuff or whether it's with this sort of angelic realms. My experience is that there are many realms that are all relatively real and none are absolutely real. There is an absolute reality that I have experienced and it isn't form of any kind. So that real, what is real question is a real tricky one. Okay. But I've learned to respect some experiences more than others, to recognize just as we do when we're meeting teachers. That's like, yeah. This is a real teaching dream, and this one isn't as important. I don't need to spend time remembering it. Do you find sometimes when you look at your journals that a lot of insignificant details turn out to be, I'm going to say, prophetic? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not just prophetic. On the thing about dreams, one time, yeah, many years ago, I had an experience of how dreams are given to us. And that was in itself an incredible thing to learn. I learned that the only way that we can receive the truth at these different ways is through metaphor and imagery. The reason I bring that up is because the dream has so many layers of meaning that apply to our physical and our emotional and our mental and our spiritual life. One image can have multiple meanings for us. And that is very prophetic and it's so intentional. Nothing is random. It's mind blowing to me, the intelligence that these dreams come from and how I want to say carefully it's given. It's really not random. I have just such reverence for that because I can't even imagine how intelligent that intelligence is to be able to give such particular and personal imagery that manifests in 
as collective as well, universal. It's amazing. Yes, to answer your question, definitely I see the details and the words we choose, like highway or freeway. When we're writing in our journals, looking at the words, my friend who's a real dream worker, if someone is giving her a dream, she just pulls out the dictionary and looks at the words they wrote. She looks at the meaning of the words and sees so much from just those things, the deep meaning of these words that come through. Bring this back to the artwork in your recent show. What does your artwork show about this world you're talking about? Talking as a spectator, mm-hmm. how does it bring us into it? That's a great question. I have to say, this was my first real art show, and I brought up a huge level of expected feelings. It was just like watching it as it was happening, and I'm uh, like, what is going on here? The feelings of being a fraud and all this really deep kind of stuff that I didn't expect. Anyway, I was like, is it because I feel like I'm on display, like some kind of narcissistic act? What am I doing? What am I asking of people to come and look at this? What's the point of it? Anyway, that was where I was at. <laughs> wondering. Then I did include in my show very specifically, carefully chosen quotes. Some of them I wrote myself. Most of them were poems like Rumi or different quotes from spiritual teachers that went with my paintings. Somebody said to the show, oh, every painting is a spiritual teaching. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I was going for. I was amazed actually at how people were impacted by the paintings and the words that were with them. I did not know how much they would be impacted. People really were affected in different ways. And we did the... Um, this regular opening. And then on the second Friday, my friend Maji, who's also a psychotherapist, and I created a workshop to inquire. We chose different aspects of the paintings to embody. His are more abstract, feeling color, movement, and energy. Mine have more characters and different things in them, but they were together. They created a really nice complement for each other. People chose, we dropped into different images and became them and moved around from them and introduced ourselves as them. I am, and my message is this. Then we did a deeper inquiry of really what sitting down and inquiring and to tell me, who, tell me who you are as this. It was very rich. It was really deep. People went very deep in an hour. And that was another level of exploring. It's the integration of these things that I'm interested in. I want people to experience their own inner worlds through this universal language of imagery. And I also teach as a side, but I also teach the Enneagram. I don't know if it's a very complex model of reality and has nine specific qualities or points that we can get stuck in and create a certain personality. My next show is going to be that, the Enneagram. And I'm planning on doing nine pieces for each, for each point. Also as a course, for me, it's about how my painting and my knowledge and my experience of dream time and inquiry have been coming together to teach as well as inform me. I guess I'm no longer trying to hold or direct it. It's just what's coming through and I'm trying to be obedient to it. You've been listening to Kira McDuffie talk about her inner world and she kindly let me post some of the pictures from the exhibition Sacred Dreamscapes on Cortez Currents. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.